The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Very special guest. We are streaming live on ESPN. Lincoln Facebook and waving at you right now. A proud Lincolnite, uh, a man down in Bama, a New York Times bestselling author, a friend, dear friend of one Bruce Arians. We say hi to Lars Anderson. Elijah Herbal back in studio as well. We are streaming and Elijah's waving. He loves lawyers today. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, and I'm doing all right. I had a I had a taco salad, man, so everyone's in for it. You make it sound like I'm in legal trouble or something. No, you're doing well. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, my dad is a, was a lawyer. But I've been sued by many lawyers, so I, I, I have mixed feelings about lawyers. It just depends on what side of the fence you're on, yeah, Mars. exactly. Right? Hey, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming to, to town, man. Yeah. Um, here seeing uh, old friend Sarah Campbell. All right. And uh, we've been uh, having some fun together. And just great to be back in Nebraska. And uh, it's been interesting talking to fans and, uh, and and media members, um, uh, and I was just DMing with Tom Chattel. Tom's good uh, stuff the man. other day, uh, just about everything that's happening with the Nebraska program. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a week, uh, Lars, uh, with uh, Monday's announcement that Coach Frost is back. Trev Alberts giving uh, Nebraska's favorite son another year uh, with a pay cut, and then of course uh, Scott Frost uh, letting four of dear close buddies go on the offensive side so it's a bye week you recalibrate uh staff is on the road recruiting tough news today we'll get into in a moment with uh, jojo doman uh done for the year uh bless his soul the kid played with a torn tendon in his middle finger on his right hand against purdue and then suited up to go against the buckeyes so uh jojo shutting it down the heart and soul of that black shirt defense so no JoJo going into Wisconsin. Nebraska will try and figure that out. But the big picture is, you know, get gear up and, and win some ball games in 2022. I saw your tweet Sunday night at Lars Anderson 71 uh, is where you follow Lars on Twitter. And but do yourself another favor, get his book, A Season in the Sun, uh, with Lars Anderson and Bruce Arians. But I thought, man, on uh, okay, Nebraska decided to to keep Scott. I think a lot of Nebraska fans are, are okay with that, some are not. But um, you listen to some of the, the national talking heads, your friend Colin Cowherd coming out a couple of days ago as well with Joel Klatt saying, hey, Nebraska's close enough to, to, to warrant a fifth year because Nebraska's a six-year rebuild. I've been through this a lot the last two decades trying to cover this program, and it's always been 
were you a Nintendo 64 and an original Nintendo guy? You just hit reset when the game isn't going well, and it's okay. Well, Nebraska's been hitting reset for a while, and they're going to stick with Scott for another season. And maybe it was a bit too presumptuous to, to think by year three or even year four, they could be playing in Indy uh, with, with what was what the rebuild was. Uh, let's talk a minute here about kind of your reaction, your read on what Trev's done, and, and also, you know, how hard a sell it's going to be to get some quality assistance in here for Nebraska here for 2022. You and I were together at Big Ten Media Days when Scott Frost had just been hired. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember we, 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 I was on your show, and then uh, Scott comes out. Remember what he told the assembled media there? Adjustments. He said, you better get us now. Uh, yes, yes, you get be- us now. You better get us now. And what did he say when Joe Burrow wanted to come to Nebraska? What was the direct quote? Is, do you think that the the paraphrasing of it is, do you think we don't have somebody better or you think he's better than what we got, I think is the actual? Okay. And so Joe Burrow was dying to go to Nebraska. And uh, the head coach basically uh, stuck his middle finger to him. And uh, he goes on to win the national championship and number one overall pick in the draft. And playing well for your Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, playing very well for my Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I, I mentioned just both of those things because, to me, they sort of underscore the, fundam- two, the two fundamental issues with Scott. And that is, one, uh, his attitude – his attitude toward fans, media, I think, has uh, been borderline arrogant for the last few years. And uh, who knows how that is playing uh, with recruits. And two, uh, for whatever reason, he has tied his wagon to Adrian Martinez. And so he, he basically, when he was asked about Joe Burrow, he's saying Adrian Martinez is better than Joe Burrow. So... If your head coach, who is a former quarterback, your offensive coordinator, face of your program, if, if he has that much trouble identifying talent, then what does it, at the quarterback position, what does that say about the other positions? And then a third issue with Nebraska has been lack of development of talent. Uh, because let's face it, it's 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 not Tom Osborne era anymore. We're not going. Nebraska is not going into Florida and getting uh, four or five star players. They're not going into Texas. They're not going to New Jersey. They're not going to California, pulling out these four and five stars. It's it's going to Colorado and getting a three star turn him into a four-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wyoming. I mean, there have even been kids who've gotten out of state that are, are playing really well at Iowa and Iowa State. Um, and so it's been a lack of identification of talent. And then, who are you as an as a offense? What is, your, what is your identity? And I think it, he learned the hard way that the uh, Central Florida offense, the Oregon offense, not going to work in the Big Ten if you don't have superior offensive linemen. And that's been the issue. I mean, I could go on and on. Chris. No, no, I get it. And, and listen, I think you look at, at Scott, and yeah, there was some misses. There's some missteps, and now it's a chance to to fix. And it's 
fix or or else right now, right? And well, so going he's into, been he's been completely emasculated. Sure, and and he'll he'll respond to that or or he won't. It's one or the other. Uh, well, t- I, I'm uh, frankly I'm surprised that they stayed with him. I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad Trev did. I think it was the right move, but. Um, uh, you know, they're staying with them basically at at gunpoint, saying you got to do this, this, and this, or you're gone. I, and- I don't think Trev. I'll say this: I don't think Trev's. I think it's more of a suggestion than a than an edict. Okay, Trev wants to see him be more CEO ish, right? Delegate, hire the right people, delegate, find somebody. And then Scott talked yesterday about finding somebody he really trusts. Because if you're going to fight for your job beyond 2022, you want to have hands on control of that, right? Well, it's easier said than done to, to delegate an offense, but you need to go a different offensive direction or at least be able to find some help on the offensive line in the portal. Okay, find some help when it comes to the offensive brain trust of of what we need to be and how we want to live in the Big Ten. You can still run some of your your passing schemes. You can still run some of your misdirection. You can still have an athletic quarterback. You can do all of those things, but just know how difficult it is in the Big Ten to live with a mobile quarterback. And in today's day and age, you really just have one because if you have two, one's going to transfer with the portal. So, I, I mean, there's there's a lot that's going to go into this next hire uh, from a trust standpoint. The Burrow thing, at the time I understood it, okay, and let me let, hear me out. When it comes to, I said this kid, I, I, I flew across country, I recruited Adrian, I told him he'd have a chance to win the job. And I said, you're the only guy I'm going to go after. So he kept his word to him. And I know Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow, and God loved Joe Burrow, and I know his dad, and, and we love him. I mean, we're so happy with the Nebraska connection and that Joe's done well. And what's Joe do here in year one? Is it nine or ten wins? Maybe. Is it is it seven or eight? Maybe. What about year two where he goes unbeaten and has the most prolific offense uh, in college football in the last five to ten years? Well, you don't have that in 2019 in Lincoln. You probably go bowling. You probably go seven, get seven or eight wins. Maybe, maybe you don't. He, he, it was perfect for Joe to go where he went and, and go number one overall. Uh, he would have been drafted. He'd still be a stud, but it wouldn't have looked as prolific or epic had he not gone to LSU, had he, had he ended up in Lincoln. That's just my take. He would have elevated the program and done a good job. Uh, we just don't know that first year, Adrian, you and I were both like, man, there's a lot of good things to come. Yeah. I thought he was going to be a Heisman contender his sophomore year, but there has been really nothing but regression since his freshman year. Yeah. And injury. A- and injury. And injury. And there's no and no help behind him. Doesn't it stand to reason that um, Scott would play backup quarterback for these last two games and see what he's got in the Smothers kid? If... It, de- it depends what you, what you think. And that is, do you want to continue to go with Adrian because you believe he gives you the best chance to win? Or are you punting on 2020 and seeing what you got for 20, excuse me, 2021 to see what you got for 2022? You're absolutely punting on. You've already punted on 2021. I know you, you have. You just fired your, your entire offensive I know you staff. have, but he still will not punt on Adrian. I don't think. I think he's going to. So Adrian Martinez is going to be the quarterback next year? I think he's going to be the quarterback the next two games. I don't know about next year. What do you think? 
I think if he, I think the decision's I, I, already been I think, made. I think with Verduzco leaving, I think Adrian's probably not going to stick around. I think he'll be given the opportunity to stick around. Okay, and if he does, that means you still go get a quarterback in the portal, or two quarterbacks in the portal, or three quarterbacks. I mean, go quarterback shopping. Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Would he come to Nebraska? I don't. I'm not a Spencer Rattler fan. Elijah can jump in on this as well. Who, Dude, else, he, who else wants Spencer Rattler? Whenever Spencer Rattler wants Spencer Rattler, and that's it. He was. That's pre- the hardest day I, of his you life. Know, one, if you believe one losing, in, if you believe in Mel Kiper, he was going to be a top five pick at the start of the uh-huh, season. And his, and his own teammates have probably given him 17 code reds. <laughs> he, well, he probably does. Guys have, don't want to play for him. He got his butt kicked and knocked down. No one's there helping him up. But he he does have NFL arm talent. Sure. Whenever you look at it, and what can you sell as Nebraska? Hey, we're going to be playing Oklahoma next year. You want to go stick it to him? You can sell it to him. The question is, is you wouldn't do you, say do no you want to that him. drama? You know what Nebraska is he can grow sell? Up? Yeah, that's a that, that's a good question. But you know, I live in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, tell us about uh, what. T- and, tell me about some of the Bama throwaways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lars. Maybe, help out. Help out your home maybe state school. Yeah, maybe the four string quarterback will transfer here and start. Uh, but at at Alabama, Bryce Young is making more than a million dollars this year off of NIL. And Nebraska can pull that well, together, that's, too. That's the thing. That's what is going to make Nebraska an attractive landing spot to uh, high-level players uh, from other programs, especially at the quarterback position, at the marquee position. So perhaps Nebraska can go out and get somebody good. I just don't understand why the Smothers, Logan Smothers. That's just, You've seen him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I do a radio show in Birmingham mm-hmm. with uh, Antonio Langham. Uh, Jay Barker. And Jay you, Barker. You know what Smothers has done in yeah. Alabama. He's a hell of a good ball player. Yeah, and he was a four-star. Uh, Antonio coached up uh, in that area, Muscle Shoals area, and um, he was really shocked that Nick Saban didn't recruit him. So he's got a bunch of talent, uh, or at least uh, there, there was potential there. And he's kind of your dual threat. Yeah, and Scott basically said, "This is my guy for the future." Mm -hmm. So, so what? What? What is the problem? Why? why? I I think the issue is, and again, none of us can see practice, Lars. I think the issue is being able to make the throws in the offense, and and Scott, that's part of this change we're talking about for twenty twenty two. To, to, to get down and win in the Big Ten, you've got to run. Scott's run a, a, a higher percentage of the time. He's been a run-first offense. But when push comes to shove, they, they, want to, they want to gash you with the big pass play. They want to gash you with the big play well, you're saying, okay, through, so through the air. What you're telling me is Scott is missed on Logan Smothers. I don't know that. I don't know that he feels ready based on Has he hit on a single quarterback? For freshman year, it looked like he did with Adrian pre-injuries. Was Scott the first Nebraska uh, coach to recruit Adrian? No, he was. Adrian was committed to Cal, and then he was committed to Tennessee, and they all had and coaching. Scott, and Scott flipped him. Well, they had coaching changes as well. He was going to be a quarterback for Butch, and I think it might have been post Tedford, whoever was there. Yeah, it might have been Wilcox. I don't know at Cal. Yeah. Okay. So, how do Nebraska fans feel about? Adrian, <laughs> man, it, I hate being critical of no. Uh, you, college you're, kids. As, you're asking questions. I think they love his heart. I mean, the kid play, has played with a broken jaw. They just want the decision making to go with the toughness, right, and not forcing it. Now, I'll say this, and we've been pretty vocal about it in defense of Adrian that 
And Elijah's an old uh, all-city lineman for Southeast. We had a little night power here today. Uh, Go Knights. He, he, Sarah he, went to Southeast as okay, well. Okay, so it's, it's a, it's a four-person party today. The <laughs> uh, thing about this is, is Adrian's been running for his freaking life all the time. That's, that's fair. And, and part of that is, is playing guys that are freshmen, redshirt freshmen, or that don't have a season under their belt as starters. Some have, right? But some don't. And, and the only guy you got there is Jurgen. So it's, it's, it's a cause and effect thing. It's a cause and effect thing with offensive line play and Adrian and, oh, no, am I going to get murdered? Or, man, we're down here. Let's, let's go make a play. Or I just threw an, an interception or I just fumbled. So, man, I'm afraid to, to let it rip here because I don't want to turn it over again. It's a myriad of things. Well, here's some uh, thoughts from Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. He's coming up. Lars Anderson, uh, best-selling author, radio host, and uh, Lincolnite uh, from back in the day with us here on a Thursday. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out on a Thursday. Gary Barnett coming up here in 35 minutes. Our favorite sideline man and NFLer Jeremiah Searles. Next hour, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author, uh, in studio today. And uh, Sarah Campbell also making sure we don't set fire to anything. This is good. We welcome in managing editor with uh, AOVarsity.com and magazine. Uh, he, too, an author. Uh, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, how has your week been? Uh, an unexpected one, I guess, for the most part. Uh, it's, you know been an interesting one. I think we came in knowing that Nebraska could go this way, at least with a decision uh, to retain. I think if that was the way they were going to go, this was the time to do that. I did not think we would uh, find out about an offensive staff restructuring with two games to go, but but here we are, and uh, it's been, you know, once you get past the, this is unfortunate, people lose jobs, that's how it is in the coaching industry, you know, it adds some intrigue to Nebraska's future. It does, and interested to to kind of sift through some of your reaction to Frost's first comments yesterday publicly, and uh, trust is is huge, obviously, with whoever the new OC is, and you've got positions to fill. You've got some good folks that are going to do that in the meantime. Ron Brown, one of our favorites uh, from his history uh, at, at Nebraska, I mean, he'll he'll handle the running back room and do a great job. Sean Becton has been retained, and uh, he'll handle the wideouts, uh, well, the the tight ends for sure, which is big, but moving forward here, is there a name or a philosophy or a style you think can be shifted to that isn't going to upset the apple cart too bad where you've got 2022 to win, you can kind of hit the ground running after this season expires? Yeah, I think the... I think the, the the key area Nebraska needs help in right now is the running game. And I think it's pretty clear from how they've played um, that run rate, you know, has been climbing since, since 2018. But 2018 was really the last year where Nebraska's run game was one of the best in the you know, top 20 or 30 in the country. And I think that's where they want to be 
they want to be known as a, a team that can run the football. And it just hasn't been consistent enough there, you know, whether that was mostly due to the backfield, mostly due to the offensive line. It's always a combination. So as I've thought about this and kind of listening to Coach Frost talk yesterday, I think that's probably where you start is you look at coordinator. You're probably not looking at an air raid coordinator, which I don't think we were looking at that anyway, but that's kind of took that and made it much more unlikely in my mind. Uh, so look at those offenses out there that run the, run the ball really well and, and do it in sort of a creative way. Brandon, this is uh, Lars Anderson here. Big fan of your work. Uh, uh, pleasure to talk to you. You know, I do my own uh, radio show with Jay Barker uh, out of Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, um, we're on throughout the southeast. But uh, a question that I get from Alabama fans, Auburn, they ask, how did Nebraska get here? What happened why is Nebraska not even competing for much less uh, divisional championships? Why are they in last place in the Big Ten? And I find it very hard to come up with a very quick answer to that. I don't know if you have a, a paragraph, a bridge version that, uh, <laughs> that you could provide that I could uh, take back with me to Alabama. But, but what, seriously, what happened? This is a this is this 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 story, Vogues, is going to be as long as Godfather Part One, right? I was going to say, well, I mean, yeah, this is a book in itself, um, probably, <laughs> and I'm not saying I know I know uh, how to write it or even put together a, a proposal that I have this locked down. But when I look at it, so you could start with just the turnover in coaching, but that's kind of college football now, right? You know, I mean, the surprising thing. On, on Monday was, and I'd say mildly surprising, was that Scott Frost is going to get a fifth year. Most coaches don't with, with the record that he has. And you get into that cycle, and it's, it's tough to break. But I, I think, and this kind of started to crystallize for me when Trev Alberts came aboard in July and you know getting the chance to hear him speak at various points. Like I don't know that there's been a strong top-down vision in the Nebraska Athletic Department for, for quite a while. And, and some of that circumstance, some of that, I think, is, is getting that higher wrong. I mean, you can look at Alabama as kind of a shining example. You know, the AD there is one of the best in the country, and it, it looks that way. And it looks that way in more than football, but at a school like Alabama or Nebraska, football's what everybody sees first. So I think there's some of that, and I think hiring Trev Alberts was maybe step one in – addressing that the degree to which Trev and Scott have been involved together to try and get this football thing right, even though it hasn't showed up this season is probably step number two. So I'm encouraged on that front, but as far as an explanation goes, that's the closest I've been able to come. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, giving us a synopsis of Lars Anderson's new book, a uh, or two decades out of the sun, a Nebraska football story. Just uh, two? I love it. <laughs> but, Brandon, I, I want to get your take on today's news, and that's that JoJo Doman is uh, not going to be returning for the final two games of the season as he's undergoing surgery. I'm not sure you can call that opting out more, getting a head start on his recovery, but do you think we'll have any other players opting out uh, ahead of the final two weeks of the season with the news that four offensive uh, assistants will be on the way out? Yeah, I would I would be a little bit surprised. Um, you know, this was certainly a, a unique circumstance for 
for JoJo, and um, I personally like makes total sense that he is a guy where there's no question that he's put everything he's had into this the entire time he's been here, and he's been here quite a long time. Um, so I, I think if we were to see some of those, and, and you know the week's not out yet, but I feel like if you get into next week, it's game week, and then you go straight into a short week against Iowa, you'll probably make it through without any others. Um, so I'd be a little bit surprised, but you can't totally rule it out. Vogue's uh, Cam Jurgens is he a guy that you need to worry about moving on after this season? I mean, he's he's certainly got the talent level. I haven't looked recently at any of the latest drafts draft stuff to see where he's currently sitting, but I think he's a guy who might have some of those exploratory conversations and, and take a look. Uh, anytime you, you lose a position coach, I think it ups the odds of that, certainly for guys that are that close to, to being NFL ready. But, you know, I've always sensed a pretty strong bond between, between Frost and Jurgens as well. So that might play into it too, but he's one where right now I wouldn't have him on the list of guys that I, I could expect or would reasonably think could leave, but he's he's right there. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Vogel's uh, is uh, can be found uh, on the, on HaleVarsity dot com and magazine. If Scott Frost had been let go, we can play. Let's play the what if game for a second. Where does Nebraska look for their next head coach? And it's a question that could very well linger uh, into next year. I don't personally think six and six is going to get it done for him. If it does, then uh, just I turn in my fan card. <laughs> I'm done. If six and six uh, warrants a, con- a, a second contract, um, but will be an I, existing contract. Yeah, he's through twenty twenty six. Okay, but, so yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, it would be the vanguard yes, still. Yes. goodbye. So anyway, uh, it, and that was one reason why I, I've been an advocate to actually bring Scott back because if you're going to get rid of the guy, you better know what the plan B is, and I don't think there is a clear plan B. Um, could it be somebody like Craig Bowles? Do you want somebody with a Nebraska connection, or would you bring somebody um, kind of like what Auburn did uh, in my part of the country with Brian Harson? Brought him in from Boise State. Completely fresh ideas. Completely new philosophy of doing things. I mean, is that what Nebraska needs? And, and, and just going back to the hiring of Trev Albers, uh, I was a little, as a Nebraska fan living in Alabama, a little disappointed by that. It seemed too incestuous. Seem too uh, too much of um, uh, advocating of groupthink. Hey, let's just keep doing things the way we've been doing them. I mean, it's not working. It's not working. Trev Trev's hire so far has been nails. I, oh, Absol- I, I, absolutely, I, I, I'm sure. It has, but I, but I'm just saying philosophically, uh, looking at it from afar, I just absolutely didn't agree with it. Um, but again, I'm I'm not the president of the school and making a chancellor and making all that money. So anyway, but the the question is, Brandon, uh, where would Nebraska if they if they decided to uh, part ways with Scott? Where do you think they would have looked or could look in the future? Yeah, I think so. I've never been when it comes to football coaching searches. I've never been a strong proponent of you gotta you've got to get somebody in who understands the culture, which usually means somebody who's been here in some various capacity. I think that's a bonus if you can get it, but 
coaching searches are, are such a crapshoot. I mean, all the evidence says that they are. For me, when I look at Nebraska, particularly over the past decade, it would be hard if Nebraska was making a change this year or if, if it has to happen next year. It would be hard for me to not put a real premium on some sort of Big Ten experience. And I, I, I sort of agree with you. Like, I don't know that there's a kind of great pool of, of guys you can immediately think of this year. Matt Campbell's one that, you know, Ames isn't far away. People get to watch his success there and the way that they play football. And I think that's the type of coach, um, you know, pie in the sky stuff. Like I watched Utah play and with uh, Kyle Whittingham. And I'm like, that is like tailor made for what I think Nebraska needs and what I think most big 10 teams would need. Problem is I think this is his last job and he's, he's nearing probably that end here in the next four or five years. So then you're, you're kind of back into the, next up and comer and if you you put a premium on big 10 experience like i do you know i've been kind of impressed by jeff halfley at, at boston college he was only at ohio state for a year it's it's tough but i would put a real real premium on somebody who just seeing the the kind of how much was lost in translation for this staff to come to the big 10 i think having somebody who understands the unique uniqueness of this conference is probably the best thing Brandon Vogel's with us. Vogue's about 20 seconds. What's coming up with HailVarsity.com and Magazine? Yeah, so we'll have uh, women's basketball and men's basketball and volleyball throughout the weekend. No football this weekend, of course, but also, bigger deal, coming up uh, on next week, our basketball issue goes to print, and that'll be in mailboxes and on newsstands here pretty soon. So make sure you subscribe to get that. For sure, for sure. HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe, digital and print. Vogues, we'll talk Saturday. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. All right. Brandon Vogel with us. Lars Anderson in studio. Uh, winding down hour one with Hail Varsity. Chime in 402 466 ESPN or email the show Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winding through hour one, Lars Anderson in studio, New York Times bestselling author. And of course, a native Nebraskan down in Alabama with the University of Alabama. And Lars does an awesome job uh, with his radio show with Jay Barker at Lars Anderson 71. All right, I, we, we have Nebraska win total for 2022 to get into. We have Bruce Arian stories to talk about, eight and a half minutes to do so. I want to hear about this treehouse, man. <laughs> yeah. Did you build a treehouse as a kid and go visit it or what? <laughs> you know, I did have a treehouse as a kid growing oh, up man. on Calvert Street uh, by Maud Rousseau. But, so uh, you, were, you were just kind of back that, that stretch behind behind uh, just uh, north of Rousseau yeah Calvert yeah absolutely right there and and if you're listening um, to us in central or northeast Nebraska you have you no got, idea you gotta check you Calvert no, Street no out baby no so uh, this was a big surprise for me uh, my girlfriend Sarah she took me to a place in Sioux City Nebraska not Iowa on, so it was on the good side, at least. I'm going to just keep South that. Sioux City. Just leave South the Sioux City. City debate alone. Okay, yeah, South Sioux City, and uh, yeah, you, you can stay in a treehouse. And so we stayed in a house uh, in a, in a room that was about a quarter of the size of your studio. Okay, and um, <laughs> I'm sure uh, Sarah paid paid an extraordinary amount of money for it, uh, but it it was good. It was it was uh, I don't know. 
It was it was an adventure. It, it was rain, It was an adventure, and uh, had a horrible stake in uh, Sioux City, <laughs> and um, really, Sarah and I have no desire to travel back. <laughs> Not only that, like I don't even want to like go around it. <laughs> and uh, and and my 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 radio partner's uh, wife, Sarah, um, Sarah Evans. Evans. Oh my gosh, really brain cramp. Uh, Sarah Evans is uh, she's playing in Sioux City on December nineteenth, and uh, my Sarah and I we're gonna go. But after the experience of last night, I don't know if You'll we're gonna be returning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bruce, even like backstage passes, all that not not worth it. You and I are in agreement. Six wins won't cut it. Trev won't put a number on a win total, but it's postseason. It's got to be. It's what what does it look like, right? And listen, it it looked okay at times this year without the result, but Lars a take or a thought. On, on your win total, I, I'm in Elijah. You jump in too. I'm I'm at seven or eight. It's a it's a lighter schedule, which doesn't mean much. This year is supposed to be uh, tough, and it got even tougher because Purdue is good. Minnesota's been ranked. Michigan State's eight and one, and in the playoff hunt. All right. Well, let's look at it real quick. North Dakota win. win. That's one. We can't do that anymore. It's pencil, not pen. Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is tough. They could well, come, they they just, could come into Lincoln. They just got uh, USC's coach. Uh, yeah, Georgia. Uh, I, but let's count that as a win. Two wins. Oklahoma. So we got to go to Ireland. We're, we're going to the Guinness factory before we go to the game. <laughs> so Ireland is Northwestern to start out. Oh, that's right, because that got moved. Uh, that should be a win. But but Scott Frost is yet to win an opening game at Nebraska, a season opener. Maybe out of the country will be a difference. Well, is it will it be in Dublin? Yeah. Okay, we're rolling. So they over. should. Let's just give Scott the benefit of the doubt, and they win their first three. Uh, Oklahoma loss, three and one. Rutgers win. Mm. Uh, where is generous. it? Here or there? Uh, it's in uh, Piscataway. Piscataway. Have you ever been to Piscataway? Never been east, man. I mean, I've been to like Williamsburg, Virginia. That's it. That's and where, and that's where my parents live. and uh, and uh, North Carolina. That's about it. Okay, so there. let's just say Rutgers is a win. So that'd be four and one. Uh, Indiana in Lincoln. Got to be a W. Five and one. Uh, and then you get into the heart of the schedule. Michigan. There. Loss, five and two. Minnesota. Here. I'd say loss, five and three. Wisconsin. Loss, five and four. Purdue. There. Says no, it's home. In it's, it's home. Okay, because Why? that was the word. Because you, we had to you play traded, two straight there, the you traded Wisconsin and Purdue. Yeah. yeah. So let's say a he's Purdue be, should he's be a win. He's got to be seven and five, doesn't he? Purdue's got to be a win. Illinois's got to be a win. Iowa will be a loss. So that would be seven. Okay. Bowl game could give him eight. You got to you got to beat Iowa. You got to beat Iowa this year. You got to beat Iowa next year. Eventually, you got to take down Wisconsin. You got to beat Minnesota at home. I mean, the, these aren't. Major asks like taking down Alabama or LSU or Oklahoma, right? Now we don't know what the quarterback's going to look like. Don't know the O line, but we're do you just think talking. Alabama's second string could beat out, uh, beat Nebraska? No, man. I don't know much about your second string, other than they're good and they're. There's more five stars on their second string than mm-hmm. probably in the entire Big Ten. All right, let's go to the phones real <laughs> quick. Let's bring uh, 
Roseanne on. Big fan of Lars. You know Roseanne? Ro- uh, Roseanne, welcome in. You're on Hail Varsity. Hi. Go ahead. Hi, Chris. Um, well, first of all, I'm a woman, and I'm a mother, and I'm a grandmother, and I'm a great-grandmother. All right. I'm 78 years old, and I've been watching and following Big Red Football since Devaney in the late 60s. Mm. Went to all the Big 8 games and um, away games, even went to Hawaii with uh, when they played the Rainbows. I heard that was a party. Oh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> At Aloha Stadium. Anyhow... Um, Lars Anderson, uh, he has put into words what I have not been able to. Uh, I agree with him uh, with everything he said, especially the two points with giving the finger to, uh, uh, you know, Joe Burrow. And I think he's arrogant. Frost is very arrogant and conceited, and I think he needs to uh, come down a notch or two. And... Um, I can't even uh, stand to listen to him anymore on the coaches' shows or anything like that. And uh, and the reason why is just like Lars said, he's very arrogant. Roseanne. And I've been watching football for a long, long time. Went to all the breakfasts on Thursday. They used to have breakfasts on Thursday at the Kellogg Center on East Campus. Had all the old coaches, Milton and, and Tennifer and, of course, Osborne and... Uh, uh, Marty Kiffin and Darlington, I, I've seen them all. Uh, and um, it, I think Frost is he's very arrogant, and I think he needs to humble himself a little bit and, and stick to what he's getting paid for. Roseanne, hey, appreciate you listening so much. Okay. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, I'll I, say this. One thing that will keep you from being arrogant is if your boss comes in and says, <laughs> you know that $20 million? It's now down to seven point five, <laughs> right? And by the way, yeah. and then you got to go in and look guys in the eye and say you're not part of this with me anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, that that will humble you. And and Scott's a guy that's been great at a lot of spots, but Scott's had to be humbled. And I and I go back to the Arizona State game. That experience humbled him. Frankie London humbled him, and it's made him respond yeah. the right way. I would say uh, also the Showtime documentary that I co-wrote with Armin Katayan humbled, humbled, humbled Scott a little bit. Uh, my not-so-favorite Scott Frost story. Hang on to that. We're up against yeah, the heart. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We're up against uh, when, the I, heart. when we come back, I'll give you my not-so-favorite Scott Frost story and why Scott will never talk to me again. Lars Anderson is in studio. What a hook that is. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, we'll wind out. I know this business, man. Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final segment here with Lars Anderson, best New York best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author. His book, Season in the Sun, with Bruce Arians on the title run by Tampa, full of Huskers there. Lars, good to be with you. Thanks for, for coming in. Glad you're in town. Glad you popped by. And, uh, I love spending time in Nebraska. Well, it's good to see you and a lot of Nebraska influence on that Tampa squad. Yeah, how, how, absolutely. How was that experience? You, you wrote, know, you know, the, the, you wrote the, the, Bruce's the, book, first book. Yeah, I, yeah. Bruce and I collaborated on the quarterback whisper, which came out when uh, Bruce Arians was the head coach of the Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals, and he wanted to use that as a sort of a, a mechanism to propel him 
uh, to getting a, a job uh, being a TV analyst, uh, a color analyst. So you did Fox for a year, didn't you? A year. Preseason yeah. or something? Yeah, okay. And uh, then it was uh, Jason Light who ended up Pride of Fremont. calling BA. Uh, and uh, it was because of Jason that, uh, that Bruce got really got the interview and got the job. And, and I, I tell you, it's, it's when I went down um, to Tampa after I got the, the book deal with HarperCollins, <clears throat> first thing I did was meet with, uh, with Bruce and Jason. And I'd never met Jason before, and we hit it off so well. Just is like two Lincoln guys, mm-hmm. and uh, turns out we had a bunch of mutual friends from his days of working at the Brass Rail. See, the uh, Brass Rail stories are legendary. Yeah, from him, and uh, yeah, and, I, and, and, and I, I include one in the book <laughs> there where uh, Jason, uh, and he was a big dude back then. He's still a big dude, but he uh, denied entry to a uh, a customer who had already been overserved, mm-hmm. and this guy ended up sort of waiting till the bar shuts down and um, follows Jason, uh, stalks him basically to his car, his Jeep. And Jason drove a Jeep in the middle of winter uh, without a, any top on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's now the little, general manager little, of the little Bucks. Little A-team love there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, the, the guy ended up lunging at Jason, and uh, Jason just rearranged his face. Uh, and and the, the, uh, the, virgin, the, the virgin white snow was soon just uh, soaked with blood, and it wasn't Jason's. Uh, but after that, after that incident, Jason basically said, "Hey, you know what? Maybe this bartending slash uh, standing in front of a bar thing is not going to work for me." And it was not that long after that he got his first job in, with the um, Miami Dolphins. So you sent down. You, you got a title book with Bruce. And what was your takeaway with this championship run? By Tampa, a lot of Husker love on there with the, one of the Davis twins. You had Levante, who fan uh, were big fans of Levante and Sue, of course. But you're I've got some good her. Sue stories, uh, but a lot of it is uh, examines the relationship between Tom Brady and Bruce. Because of the quarterback, and right? uh, yeah, and uh, why Tom ultimately ended up leaving New England. Sort of that's a complicated story in and of itself. And then the the struggles they had last year. Uh, Tampa, it wasn't easy for Brady. He missed out on over 1,500 reps because of COVID, uh, learning a whole new playbook. And uh, the, the bye, they were 7-5, and five, uh, lost two in a row. And at that point, B.A. was like, he was not thinking Super Bowl. He was thinking of, hey, this, let's use these last few games uh, and get ready for next year. But they ended up sort of melding the Tom Brady offense, death by a thousand cuts, with the Bruce Arians offense, where they throw the ball deep more than, more than anyone else in the league, get those two together, and they ended up going on an 8-0 run and winning the Super Bowl. Lars, can't wait to spend more time with you. Thanks so much for uh, your time in here in studio, and uh, we'll do this again, man. Awesome. Hour two's on the way. Gary Barnett coming up. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back at it, Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Big thanks to Lars Anderson, uh, of course, uh, national media man uh, and uh, radio host from uh, Alabama, New York Times bestselling author, for being in studio with us last hour. We welcome in a Hall of Fame coach with Colorado and Northwestern, Gary Barnett with us to kick off Hour 2. Coach, uh, are you in warmer weather, or are you braving some... Uh, well, some white stuff in Boulder. 82 degrees here in, in Scottsdale, Chris. It was a tough go, but I got through it. Uh, 18 holes, a little practice afterwards, a little putting practice. Demo day was a big day today. Ooh. I mean, what gets better than that? We've actually talked uh, from demo day uh, in the past, so uh, it's one of the biggest demo days in the country. So, uh, you know, it's a great day for me. So I, with, I get to talk Nebraska football with you. <laughs> Shoot, man. Listen, were you let me ask you this. Were you more, historically, were you more patient with your quarterbacks or your putters? <laughs> My quarterbacks. Okay. <laughs> I I can buy another putter. I can't buy another quarterback. So you you got to be patient with your quarterback. Hey, that might be changing in the name, image, and likeness yeah. time, though. You might yeah, be able to buy true. a quarterback. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Man. Well, hey, good good answer there with the uh, the quarterback patience. I got to get your take on all of this, Coach. You've been in the profession a long, long time, and you've seen a lot, and you know how assistants are so important to the head man. And uh, let's just kind of go back to Monday for a minute with Trev Alberts announcing that Scott's back, the kind of the Harbaugh treatment with the deal being restructured, and then later on Monday, four assistants on the offensive side were let go. What's your reaction from Scottsdale to Nebraska's situation right now? Are you surprised Scott got got brought back? I'm not surprised that Scott brought got brought back. Um, um, and I'm not surprised that he had to restructure his contract or that he volunteered to do that, from what I read anyway. I am surprised that they're, they're firing four offensive coaches and uh, you know, I don't know where in the world you, you decide that that's the thing that has to happen. I, I really don't. I mean, I I struggle with that. Um, but that's the decision that was made, and everybody's going to have to live with it. And, um, you know, I, I understand that sometimes somebody has to be demoted and somebody has to, has to take the fall in some regards. Uh, I mean, Colorado's a perfect example. They fired their offensive line coach. They played better the last two weeks. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that needed to happen. But four guys, families, um, all that sort of stuff, you know, when when you're in it, you, you know how much the families are involved and, and um, you, you know, they're dependent upon this lifestyle and this, this living and, the, and this job and, and – Somebody decides they don't need it. They don't have it anymore. So I struggle with that a little bit personally. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, when we talk about the, you know, the, the Nebraska football team to end 2021 and, and the new Nebraska team that's going to be fighting for a job in 2022, you know, the, the talk from Alberts and the, the transformation that's necessary is more of a CEO type. Attention to detail. 
knowing what's going on with all facets of the team and, and coaching all those areas. And, and accountability is big. Trev's making Scott accountable. Scott's got to make players, coaches himself accountable. So it's it's not a, another one-score loss because of a bad punt or you know go down the list of, of, of screw-ups. How difficult is it to to, to step away from, from calling the plays like you did to just be in the head guy and, and delegating? Was that a struggle for you? And, and how does Scott get to being a competent CEO? Well, I, I, it wasn't so difficult for me to step away uh, because going into Northwestern was I knew – that that was a job that was going to demand all my time. And for me to think that um, I needed to call plays or I needed to run the offense, you know, I just, I just didn't see that. I, I, you know, for me, we had so many different, so many places that we had to improve and create a better image and reach out to people that, that was a full-time job, so uh, that wasn't hard for me to do. And and since I wasn't calling them uh, when I left Northwestern and went to Colorado, uh, that wasn't a hard transition either. I think the transition to being a CEO, um, you know, that's a little harder, I think, because. Uh, you've got to see yourself in that light. You've got to take yourself out of the, the realm of calling plays, and you've got to you've got to look at your whole program, and then you've got to start um, making sure that the people you have involved uh, with every aspect of it. I'm talking about admissions. I'm talking about uh, all sorts of university uh, committees and things like that. You know, you 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 are in charge. That is your responsibility. So um, that's probably a harder step than than anything else than stepping away. Is that all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're you're going to be responsible for all that stuff. So I mean, that that that's the way I saw mm-hmm. it, Chris. Coach Gary Burnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Coach, when you're talking about the people around that CEO, we now have four years of hindsight to look back at Scott's decision to bring his entire staff from UCF, uh, a lot of those guys with little to no Power 5 experience. How does that decision look now four years on, especially whenever you combine it with the fact that it took uh, four years for Scott to make any substantial changes to that staff? Yeah, well, I think that's a good question. I, I think that's a that's a good point too, Elijah. Because um, you know, making a move from um, the the lower level division to the Power Five division, especially in the Big Ten, it's not just one level; it's two or three levels. And um, you know, he's changed some offensive coaches. Matt Lubick didn't come with him, I don't think. I think he added Matt, but. Um, you know, it's 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 what in in reality it's what somebody else thinks needed to be done. It's not what Scott thought needed to be done, and he, that's what's going to be. That's the tough pill to swallow. I think is that somebody else has told him his boss, Trev Alberts, has said these these this is the decision that I think or we think whoever that is has to be made, and you're going to have to make it, or you're not going to be the coach here. So he makes it. And um, you know, if 
I, I don't know. It's 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 so involved, and and we're never going to know what those conversations went like. But mm-hmm. you know, you have to wonder when he sits down with those four guys and said, "Okay, it's either either I'm gone or you four guys are gone, and I get to stay." You know, how's that work out? So, I mean, that's. You know, there's just more to it that, you know, the public looks at it and goes, yeah, they need to get rid of those coaches. You know, those are family. Like I said, they're families. They're, they're people who have jobs, and all of a sudden their jobs are taken away because, you know, somebody thinks the head, head guy needs to make changes, and boom. But on the other side of it, when you're in that position, when you're in college football and Division One, you know it can happen like that. But you generally hit your wagon to somebody who – who isn't going to let that happen? So it's it's complicated. And I really feel for those those four guys that that are being let go now. I'm sure they're they're getting some compensation for it, and everybody will look at it and say, "Well, they get this or that." It, it's not the same. It's still you're getting let go. You don't have a job. Your life gets turned upside down. Your family gets turned upside down. All of a sudden, you're the reason that Nebraska isn't winning. That's the way you look at yourself, and that's the way you think people look at you when you go to the store. So it's complicated, guys. Coach, a thought on the the sell job that has to take place in the portal on the trail. And, oh, yeah, by the way, to find that next offensive coordinator that Scott kind of reiterated, somebody I got to trust. How tough a sell is it to, to fill <laughs> those those spots for maybe, for maybe a year? Yeah, well, it is. But, you know – College football coaches have become hired guns, and they know it. They get it. And whenever, no matter who, you, whether you're hiring a, a head coach or whether you're hiring coordinators, you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And it's a it's a crapshoot. It really is. So it'll continue to be that way. And you just hope you, you know, you you know, <laughs> you throw the dice the right way because there's just no way of guaranteeing it. And uh, so it's it's yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens and and one year is what it's going to be and who's going to be the quarterback you know who's that's I don't know if it's Adrian or the portal but if it's if Adrian's back you got to go portal I think so there's competition yeah who knows well I mean everybody's got an opinion on that <laughs> uh, I mean he's a guy that's it's hard to it's hard not to have a guy with all that experience and ability be your guy but. I think that the fan base, I'm guessing here, is going. Uh, uh-uh, we got to have a different guy doing this. You're, so. you're not wrong. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the, that's kind of the take. <laughs> Gary Barnett's yeah. with us, coach. So, a couple of names for offensive coordinator. I want to get your take on uh, if if you're familiar with, and, and maybe you are. Uh, Jake Peets, he's down at LSU. That LSU staff's going to get shaken up, and then Kirk Siaraka, he was at Minnesota and then was hired by Penn State and then punted by Penn State. He's an analyst at West Virginia now. Uh, he was the OC for that uh, really talented uh, 2019 Gopher team, right, the RPO squad that was physical and could, could still spread it around. Are, are, two, are those two guys, two of those names that could fit in the Big Ten? Probably. Like I said, uh, Chris, it's a crapshoot. Sure. I mean, you don't know. You're just hoping. <laughs> you really are. I mean, there is no guarantee. And, um, I mean, who – why wouldn't Matt Lubick fit? I mean, right. but he didn't. So it, it, you don't know. You, you, it's just you, it's a it's it's being lucky is what it is. 
Well, let's hit some rapid fire, Coach. Let's do some games oh. this weekend. You ready? You, you got the sleeves rolled up? I'm ready, buddy. All right. Michigan at Penn State and uh, Michigan minus one and a half. Well, that's changing. It was zero from yes. when it came out. It was, I mean, it was Penn State minus one. That's what I saw. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, um, I'll tell you, that's, I haven't seen that. This is a tough one, I think. Penn State, I like Penn State, but I think Michigan's playing really good football. And I, I think Michigan State wins this. I mean, Michigan wins this game, not Michigan State. All right. You've got Oklahoma at uh, Baylor. Baylor, yeah. Minus five and a half soon as you go in with uh, Aranda. Uh, I think the Sooners are hot. They got a, they've had a week off. I think they're ready to go play this thing. I like the Sooners. Pirate is going to Auburn. Pirate doesn't like kickers, and uh, you have Auburn favored minus five and a half. That's a lot, I think. But I, I you know, I still don't trust that Auburn quarterback. Hmm. But um, their defense is pretty good. I, you know, Leach. Is, I, you know, that's a tough one for me. I think Auburn wins the game, but I don't. I think probably Leach covers. Okay. Back to the Big Ten. Purdue. I mean, they have been either hot or cold, and uh, they're, they're back and they're ranked. Uh, Purdue is <laughs> Ohio State's favored by 21. Is it, is it closer than that? It's going, I think it's closer than that. I really do. But I think Ohio State probably wins. But I think it's closer than that, but for sure. Does, uh, is Brahma a name to think about at Florida, or do you think Florida is not going to move on from Mullen despite his struggles? I think they're going to move on. Really? Yeah, I think they're going to move on. I, I mean, you can't have that kind of roster and that kind of recruiting ability, I mean, recruiting center, and do like they've done this year. They may only win two games. So, no, I think, I think they move on. They, but their combined seven-point losses to Bama the last two years, it's crazy. I mean, think about Apparently, it. Think, think about they it. lost. No, I know. <laughs> Gary Barnett. Right? No, they lost. Minnesota. You got to be the fan base here. They lost. No, I know. So, uh, yeah. Minnesota's at uh, Iowa, and uh, the Hawkeyes minus five. You know, I don't see that. I think Minnesota's a better team, and uh, uh, I just don't see. Even though it's at Iowa, I don't see Iowa beating them by six. No okay. way. I just don't think they have enough offense. And Minnesota, you know, if they get their act together, they can hurt you. They can pound you. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Minnesota. Tied ball game here. Uh, Old Miss hosting A&M minus yeah. two and a half A&M. College game day from the Grove. Well, I'm surprised yeah, you're not there, the Elijah. <laughs> Boys, have you ever been to the Grove? Elijah's been a couple of times, and he hasn't invited yeah. me. I was there when game day and Katy Perry was there. I mean, it was absolutely on steroids that day. <laughs> but, you know, I this one, A&M's defense is really good. Ole Miss can do just about anything. They, who knows which way they're going to go. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised A&M's favorite, to tell you the truth. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go with Ole Miss there. Did you, uh, did you have a Coors Light with Katy? No, I didn't have a course light with Katie, but uh, it was uh, it was crazy down there, unbelievable. I got pictures from that day in my phone somewhere, so it was nuts. There we go. That Gary, sounds about right. That's awesome, <laughs> Gary Barnett with us, Coach. We'll get caught up uh, next week. Appreciate you taking some time today. All right, guys, good to be with you. Take Thanks. care. There he is, Gary Barnett joins us 
uh, Hall of Fame coach, his take on Nebraska. We'll get the O-line perspective here from Jeremiah Searles. He's next, a Thursday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Good stuff from Gary Barnett, Lars Anderson in our one in studio. And Searles says, give me a call. Where you at? You're calling our favorite sideline man now. Uh, very shortly, get Searle's perspective on the week, get his take on the O-line. Thoughts on JoJo Doman's career as JoJo done for the season. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. The phone line can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence uh, for Elijah Herbal and, and follow Jeremiah Searles on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. You're uh, uh, all standout Husker offensive lineman, longtime NFLer, and noted hunter. Searles, we need an update. How's the hunting going? You guys are lucky I got on my tree stand early for you. <laughs> so you're just up there kicking I- it. Oh, I- I've been in a tree more than I've been awake the last few days. So there- there's a. There's a big deer out here that I'm chasing, and my wife has been so gracious enough to allow me to keep chasing it on the bye week here. So as as you guys were talking, there's a big deer right there as I'm driving back. Holy cow. Um, as you guys are, uh, as we've been talking, I've been hanging out in trees. So, But busy week with football. Yeah, reaction to the week with uh, the news. Uh, Trev, uh, of course, uh, announcing that, that Scott's back. And uh, four good guys, uh, no longer part of the offense. I uh, want to get your, your take and specifically your expertise with the offensive line. How are guys on that O-line going to react to no more Greg Austin? You know, it's going to be really hard. Um, the, the O-line is such a brotherhood. The O-line is something that, I mean, you kind of have to band together a lot of times because, it's as, as always, it's like it's kind of never – your fault when things are going well, but it's always your fault when things are going bad. And there's been a lot of bad this year, and the O-line's taking a lot of blame. And so you kind of band together in your room, and when, you're, when your leader gets let go, that, that's really tough. And so it's going to be really important that guys like Cam Jurgen step up, um, guys like Matt Schichterman, who's a senior, step up and really lead that room and rally the guys together. But that's going to be a big loss for them because I know Greg Austin did so much for them. Cyril, so speak a little bit to – what this offensive line is and, and what they, as you project, can be just because of their youth. And it's not an excuse. And I know you're late in the season, so you're not a freshman or a redshirt freshman anymore. But just just give me a, a take or so, uh, again, leading on experience, what it's like to actually start versus sub that first year. My, my, my point being is I think this O-line can be good. Yeah, I think this O line can be good, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of got blamed on Greg Austin with the tackle play this year. But when you look at our tackles, you have Bryce Benhart, who's a redshirt sophomore, who really only experience playing was in empty stadiums last year, which is basically all glorified practices. And then you got a redshirt freshman, first time starter in left tackle in Bryce in uh, Turner Corcoran. Meanwhile, you also rotated another freshman in there that Ted Prohaska, Prohaska, before he got hurt, 
And so everyone was yelling at Greg, development, man. He's not good at developing guys, developing guys. You can't look at first and second year players as, oh, he can't develop guys. You have to look backwards on how you develop guys. He put two dudes in the NFL. Brendan Hymas and Matt Farniak are on 53-man rosters right now in the NFL. That's development. And there just wasn't a lot of depth behind those guys by transfer portal, by guys just not panning out. So he was forced to play those young guys. You take your lumps when you play young guys, but it really pays big benefits and dividends as you get older. And as this group grows older together, they will become a much better offensive line. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Searles, let's speak about Scott and these next two games, and we'll, we'll talk Wisconsin next week. But, you know, how, how does Scott move forward here? Uh, with that uh, that delegation role, the CEO role, the organizational role, and how does Trev help with that? You know, I think that that's going to be really hard for Coach Frost to do. I mean, as it is for any coach that's called plays for a long time, right? It's in their blood. It's in their DNA to want to run everything. But I think Scott looked at the last four years and really did some self-scouting of himself and saw that maybe what he was doing, trying to run the offense and be the head coach and do all these things, is it's a lot different than UCS, and especially here. And for him to have the fortitude to look ahead and be like, maybe I do need to step back from head in the playbook, head in the film, head in the tape, and, and study so much in the offense and really look at this as a broader manager-type perspective. And I think that's really good because I've been around really good coaches that have been able to do that. And... I think that that could really help this team, especially if he brings in someone that he trusts and he believes in and they believe in each other. I mean, obviously he's always going to have the stamp of approval because he's got HC on his hat. But I do think that that's going to be a really good role for him to continue to grow and develop as a head coach as well. Jeremiah Searles is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Jeremiah, we've been talking today. We don't think Trev Alberts is going to put a minimum win total that's going to be necessary for next season. Uh, but what kind of improvement do you think you can expect from a, a D1 program bringing in four completely new offensive assistants? Is there going to be a learning curve for this offense during the offseason? Or, or is it something where you think that uh, some of these guys coming back can pretty quickly pick up a, a new offense or, or an amended look to the offense and, and get some dramatically improved results next year? The hardest thing of when a new offensive coordinator comes in is the language changes. Like, right, inside zone is inside zone. Power. But what people call them is different. So that'll be the biggest thing. When the OC comes in, he's going to call what we call something. He's going to call something completely. This team's going to have to learn a little bit of a new language when it comes to that. But as far as, as far as, like learning and big jumps, I don't think you're going to see a drastic change in like scheme or a drastic change in philosophies out of the gate because we are built with our team and our personnel-wise to run a certain kind of offense. And you don't just want to come in and, and square pay ground hole it a la Mike Riley and have Tommy Armstrong back. No, we are who we have certain places that keep people in certain places that – we're going to play to our strengths. And great offensive coordinators aren't so stubborn that they just roll in and say, we're running our, our my plays. They look at what they have and they say, I'm going to call the plays that are best suited for the players that I have. And I'd like to see a lot of that from this new offensive staff when they come in. Does the line makeup have the ability to be downhill? I mean, can they, if they're asked to run block and, 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 and do more power, 
And I know they've done power, but it's been a zone blocking scheme, Searles. If, if it's more of a power, power component, do you, do you like the bodies on the line that, that, that are potentially coming back? Yeah, I do. And honestly, a lot of that can be fixed and molded in the offseason. When, when, when you have a new offensive coordinator come in, the number one thing he has to do and him and the strength and conditioning coach have to get on page with the philosophy. I mean, right now we have an offensive line that's a little bit lighter because we're built to run tempo and we're built to go fast at times. And the offensive linemen specifically have to be able to reflect that. They can't be the Wisconsin's where everyone's 330 across the board because they're only running 60 plays a game when you have an offense that wants to run 80-plus. So – I think that that's kind of the key component to answer long, long, long answer to your short question. Yes, they can, because they're still young and you can still mold them into what you want them to be. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Jeremiah, before we let you go, we got about four minutes left here. Uh, I want to get your take on some of today's news. That's JoJo Doman uh, deciding that he is not going to be playing the last two games of the season, instead uh, opting to get a surgery done before the season ends. And I want to get your take on a, if you put yourself in the shoes of any of these guys currently on the team where four guys of the staff are, are now out of a job, and it kind of feels like these last two games that the, the coaching staff has almost waved the white flag. Uh, would you be in a boat where you'd be thinking – if you have an NFL future in front of you, would you be thinking about opting out of these last two games? You know, I think JoJo's dealing with an injury, mm-hmm. and I think that's a little different. I think that if you just opt out because you're a senior and you want to go to the NFL, there's no one on this roster that has the ability to do that right now, in my opinion. There's no one on this roster that I look at and go, yep, that guy's a bona fide NFL, 100% getting drafted player um, in the top three rounds. He should sit out and not risk injury. I think that JoJo's case is a little different with the injury, but I do think that a lot of these players will be back next year, and a lot of these players want to build momentum, and they want to play for pride, and that's the kind of players I want to see go out there and play. But me personally, if I was dealing with an injury and we had two games left and nothing to go and I wanted to get a shot to go to the NFL, I think my teammates would understand. I think the coaches understand. And talk about a guy that's poured his heart and soul into Nebraska. JoJo Doman is embodied what it means to be a Husker. All right, you're a former Carolina Panther. Cam back in Carolina. Thumbs up, thumbs sideways, thumbs down. Well, it's got to be better than Sam Darnold. I mean, so I think thumbs up in that respect because Sam Darnold has looked like what we thought he was for the Jets. Well, it's not even Sam Darnold anymore. Now it's P.J. Walker, the yeah, pride Sam, of the Sam, AF. Sam jacked his shoulder. Uh, so the I mean, fighting the white shrewd is no Sam longer. P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold. Captain, Mr. Potato Head, it doesn't matter. The quarterback situation's been a mess in Carolina. I think Cam Newton brings some stability back to that. And Matt Rule being college, being a college coach, I'm sure he'll have one or two tricks up the sleeve there for all the old running quarterback in Cam. The, the key is to throw it to my fantasy star, DJ Moore. If you can do you that, I'm a happy fantasy. camper, and uh, and the whole Carolina like fan base got to be happy. Okay, OBJ. Fantasy to... football's not a real thing. Cyril's <laughs> like, you fantasy losers. Sounds like you're bad at fantasy football. <laughs> I'm terrible at it. Sounds like he's going to use his bow and arrow on you next time he sees you. Um, so let's talk OBJ to the Rams. Is that worth bringing in? They're already high level, probably two seed, is more better with, with him catching passes. The Rams are all in, man. Uh, I mean, making making the trade for Von Miller, bringing Odell Beckham in, I think that they feel like they have lightning in a bottle right now with Stafford and the pieces that they have, and I think they understand that 
that lightning is only going to last one or two years, and I think it's a good move, bringing as much firepower as you can to really make a run at this thing because, man, the NFC is really good this year, and they're going to have to go through some tough teams to get to the Super Bowl. But I think they understand that. I think they understand what lies ahead of them, and they're building themselves to beat Tom Brady. That, that's what I truly believe. They're building themselves to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get to the Super Bowl, and with more firepower, you can do it. Jeremiah Searles with him. Follow him on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, what's your Instagram, dude? Uh, it's at jsearles 71 Okay, so do that. Find him on the socials. You hear him on the sidelines with Nebraska football. Does an awesome job. And you catch him on, uh, of course, uh, the network as well. Searles, uh, be good. Good luck uh, in your search for Bambi's dad, and I want some jerky when you do get a get a deer, okay? Did he just hang up on me? Wow. That's an answer to the jerky request. That hurts. Uh, we'll head to uh, the casino next. Danny Burke on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke from the VEASAN Sports Network at his show Rush Hour and Danny's Daily Podcast as well at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, how are you? Schmitty, not too bad. I mean, you know, the, the weather's taking a turn here, so it's getting to be about that time, but that just means we're getting into the nitty-gritty of football weather, so can't complain too much. Yeah, we'll crank up the NFL Films voice and – uh, scream about the, the winter wind, no longer autumn wind. Over under on junior Carson Schmidt passing uh, his second uh, learner's permit written test. He failed the first one. Oh, he failed the first. So this is his second attempt, huh? So said it about when it, you know. So What's the money line? What's put, the money line? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put the so second time around, we'll put the yes probably as a slight favorite, maybe about minus 115 and we'll give the no about plus 105 so uh you know better than i do but look second time around you got to think he's a little bit better prepared let's hope right uh, exactly <laughs> well not uh any nebraska action this weekend other than the search for an oc and o-line and a wide receivers coach and a running backs coach with the news out of lincoln and, and coach frost uh, getting a fifth year I uh, want to get your take on Michigan-Penn State. Tough ball game for the Wolverines. They're in Unhappy Valley, minus one and a half Penn State. Penn State's pretty good 6-3 and three team. A win uh, against Auburn earlier, but really we kind of have seen what Iowa's become, and that really derailed Penn State despite a good effort against Ohio State. Does Michigan have it in them to go get another tough road game? I think that's the bigger question more so than what can we expect out of Penn State is does Michigan have this game in them? Can Harbaugh win a significant game as of this point? And I'm tending to lean toward the no, Schmitty, just because of what history has told us. Now, you know, you mentioned that Penn State game against Iowa. That, in my opinion, was a little bit fluky just because Clifford, you know, not being in the game in their backup was one of the worst backups I've seen in quite some time, at least in that game. But then, look, then you lose against Illinois at home in nine overtimes, and there's literally no excuse for that game except that they were looking ahead to Ohio State, but I still just can't fathom how that game even went down. Um, look, they did have a decent performance against Ohio State. You know, Penn State is still playing for at least somewhat of a significant bowl game. We know Michigan still has a lot on the line. 
I just think it's going to be a tougher environment. And, and Schmitty, real quick, this is at 11 a.m., right? That's my thought. Yeah, it, which seems kind of odd that it is. So it's a little bit different in the sense it's not going to be as rowdy, so that's beneficial to Michigan. And, look, again, at the end of the day, I just need to be convinced by Harbaugh that he can get this job done, and I'm not really thinking it's there right now. So um, I'm going to lean a little bit toward Penn State on the money line, just betting them outright. Quarterback-wise, virtually even, right? I mean, McNamara and Clifford, I, you know, you could give me one or the other, and I think you virtually get the same results, maybe a little bit better with Clifford. Yes, the running game is more solid with a team like Michigan, but defensively you're fairly even. So I think the home field advantage, while nowadays doesn't play as big of a factor as it has in the past, there are some certain spots where it does, and I still think, despite it being an 11 a.m. kickoff, that Penn State is one of them. So I have the I'm, I'm gravitating toward Penn State, Schmitty. I don't know if I'm going to play it, but for the Big Ten slate, this would probably be one of the better plays I would like, and I would go with the Nittany Lions. How about Oklahoma? Do they stay unscathed? They are at Dave Aranda's Baylor, five-and-a-half road favorite for Boomer Sooner. Yeah, so I actually laid five in the hook in this spot here. Look, Oklahoma's coming off a bye, and I think we're – not that we're forgetting about Oklahoma, but we have this notion now of what we saw – in the beginning parts of the season, that Oklahoma is just nothing, and they don't deserve to be in consideration for the college football playoff. And I get it. It's a legitimate reason to be thinking that. But these last four games, they've got an average winning margin, I believe, of about 13, 14 points, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, regardless of what it is, they've been actually playing like the team we imagined they would be. And they know how important this game is. Every game's incredibly important for a team like Oklahoma, now even more so than ever, and especially them once again coming off the bye uh, look, I just think they have what it takes to at least win this game by a touchdown. And I think the good thing about Oklahoma in some of these spots is you're still going to get them in a by-low opportunity because people just don't completely respect them yet. But I think this is a good spot where they can wake people up a little bit and be like, oh, yeah, that's right, this Oklahoma team was supposed to be arguably the top team in the country. They're still undefeated. Hopefully they get an impressive win because I laid five in the hook with the Sooners. NFL we go. Kansas City in Vegas, your second home. Chiefs the narrowest of favorites on the road at minus two and a half. You're taking the points, you're giving the points. Yeah, if anything, I'm taking the points here, Schmitty, and even more so I think you tease up the Raiders. You get a home underdog, tease them up by six through the key numbers of three and seven, then you get the Raiders catching eight in the hook. Look, they always play Kansas City close. I mean, it's a division rivalry. Kansas, uh, Kansas City is nothing impressive, Schmitty. I mean, at all, you're barely beating Jordan Love at home, and aside from that, there's just so many other instances where Kansas City has let people down and has proved that you cannot trust them. So why trust them here? You can make the case, well, the Raiders are, you know, dealing with all these distractions, and look what happened last week against the Giants. I get it, but if the Raiders can finally just have one normal week going back at home at a game where they could kind of rally around each other in their community and now have a little bit more time and not craziness to deal with heading into this division game with a team they're familiar with, I think the Raiders put up a good fight. But again, it's still Patrick Mahomes, and we're all waiting for him to get back to normal. Maybe it's against the Raiders, so if it is, why not just tease up the Raiders instead so you give yourself a little bit more security and have the Raiders catch an eight and a half instead? But if you don't like teasers, then yes, I would still go with the Raiders. A, a game that's uncertain right now. Danny Burke, pride of Chicago, VEASAN Sports Network, Burke, Burke's best bets with us. Seattle, Green Bay, and it's minus three and a half pack. 
Uh, Russell Wilson, I think, is going to be back. And do you have any definitive answer from your friends in the desert on Rodgers? Yeah, I I'm going into this game, Schmitty, assuming that both of those guys are going to be playing because you have seen the line movement go towards Seattle from about five to three and a half, as you alluded to. I think the only way that moves is because that Russell Wilson's going to be playing, or, of course, if Rodgers isn't. But my thought as of now is that Rodgers is going to be playing. Ultimately, I'm going to stick away from it regardless. We'll see how Rodgers responds because this is a guy who loves to have a chip on his shoulder, Schmitty, even if he doesn't need one. Well, now he's certainly going to implement one onto himself after the whole debacle this past week. So, you know, if it gets to three and Rodgers is your quarterback against the Seattle defense that is not impressive at all, then, yes, I would look toward Green Bay. But if it's over the three, I could understand why you would take the points with the Seahawks. But, again, Schmitty, like I said, I'm probably going to stay away, or let's wait to see what happens on the field. Bet this one in-game, my friend. Last thought here, about 30 seconds. Do you like OBJ going to the Rams, and do you think Cam can have a rebirth back in Carolina? I think both of those are completely comical. One, I'm kind of pissed about OBJ because uh, yeah, because Cooper Cup's on my fantasy team, so I don't want him taking points away from the leader, Cooper Cup. You already got Jefferson, who's an emerging star there, who can be your OBJ, and you already have Robert Woods, who's a stud. I don't know why you need an OBJ on your team who might end up being a distraction, even if he isn't. What's the point? With Cam Newton, that is so funny. Uh, you what? You, you get rid of Cam Newton. You're still paying off the guy that replaced him in Teddy Bridgewater. Then you're paying Darnold who replaced him. And now you're paying Cam Newton to replace all those guys who replaced him. It makes no sense. Why are you signing Cam Newton once again? It's just comical. We'll see what happens with the guy. I mean, I'm not rooting against him, but I just think it's so laughable that they're doing that. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, and tune into his show, Rush Hour, uh, all over the country, and, of course, on iHeart. Daddy, be good. Thanks for the time. Hey, you bet, Smitty. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, kind of a blur show, man. We just flew through it. Searles just didn't answer. He didn't hang up. Like, dude, did you hang up? I want jerky. And he uh, texted back and said, you know, no, I just stayed silent. That's my jerky. That's my dear. Uh, good stuff from Jeremiah Searles, from Gary Barnett. Big thanks to Lars Anderson and Brandon Vogel. Lars in studio that first hour. Shows, uh, podcast, Hail Varsity Radio. Give us a rating. Love us, hate us. Give us uh, uh, kind of a middle thumb. I mean, <laughs> what we want is feedback. Good, bad, or ugly. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating. Tell us what you think. Subscribe. And uh, thanks so much for doing so. Uh, people have sent us on the road this year, the, the the folks that have made all of our road shows possible, Ferris Financial Group and Arrow Capital. Uh, Ferris Financial Group, uh, they're in Lincoln, and their goal to educate, coach, and help you work towards your investment goals. That's investment strategy. That's also budgeting and planning an overall game plan. And they're there for you in times of transition, whether you're starting a new job or going to go through a job change, and they help you with the future when it comes to retirement. Contact Marcus Schmidt today at 402-525-6824 or marcus.schmidt at lpl.com. Find out more about Ferris Financial Group, Ferris Financial Group. 
Aerobrokerage.com. Aero Brokerage, Aero Capital, they are incredible. Full service real estate brokerage. They specialize in that real estate investment, and they're there in, in all facets of of the uh, the real estate process for you when it comes to buying or selling or staging and also investing in properties much more uh, be sure to reach out to broker Jenny Limbach or realtor Marcus Schmidt and ways to get in touch with Aero Brokerage Brokerage at aerolincoln.com the website aerolincoln.com backslash brokerage and of course, Facebook at Arrow LNK, Instagram at Arrow underscore Lincoln. We are on the road Tuesday for Nebraska and Creighton. We are at the single barrel inside the graduate. So come by. That tip off's a little later for a real red tip off. Come by, get a steak, get a whiskey, make your way towards Nebraska Creighton. We'll see how the big red rebounds tomorrow night. More time on uh, Husker Hoops. We'll talk with Jacob Padilla. We'll get in with uh, Bill Dolman and uh, Clausburn back with a forecast. I need to get even with you. Staking a beer tonight, Baltimore, Miami. What's the line on this one? Eight and a half. Okay. And it, uh, isn't, it, 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 it isn't Snowflake and the Dolphins. Uh, I will take Miami, but I need more than eight and a half. I'll give, I'll give you as much as nine and a half. Okay, I'll take nine and a half. I'll take Baltimore nine and a half, sure. Okay, sure. No, all they need to do is cover, baby. Miami doesn't even have Tua. That's maybe an okay thing. That is maybe an okay thing. I <laughs> guess we'll I guess we'll find out tonight. Well, the I mean, the Ravens don't really have a running back right now. They have they have two though. I mean, they've they've got uh, Le'Veon. Yeah. We got the former Falcon guy. Are, are, are we to the point where we can say Le'Veon Bell is washed now? Though, I think Le'Veon's. When was the last Le'Veon's time he had a, a respectable NFL season? Oh, it's man. been at least four years, Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah. Le'Veon, uh, I think, has had too much incense going. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. It's right? a good way to put it. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, man, I would that, that, that would mean I would owe you two steaks and two beers. Got to get even. Got to chase it a little bit. Thanks for your time. Thanks for checking in with Hale City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Talk to you tomorrow.